fullness, Lord, to really know you. And Father, we need your Holy Spirit to, to dwell here, to stir up within us, and to give us life to hear, life to see, life to understand. And uh, some of us don't even know really what that means to pray, a, to pray a prayer like that. But Father God, I ask that you just reveal that to us tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, praise God, guys. So we are going to be tonight in uh, Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to be reading through verses 1 through 10. And so the last two weeks, we've been talking about uh, the gospel. Two weeks, three weeks, two weeks, I guess. We've been talking about the gospel, what the gospel is, what it looked like in Peter's life, and, and what it means for us, right? And as we look at the book of Galatians as a whole, it's, it's pretty interesting. It could really be titled, The Gospel, Faith versus the Law. And that's pretty much the center theme of, of the entire book as Paul writes to these, this church and these people. And uh, this book is primarily a defense against legalism and religion. Okay, So if you weren't aware, that is pretty much where we're headed in this, in this series. That's where we're going to be going, right? But tonight, we're going to take a little bit of a break from that, okay? Because Paul, he's kind of, uh, he's introduced us to the problem. He, he started, you know, with a nice greeting and then went straight into, I can't believe you're already turning away from the dang gospel I just preached to you, <laughs> okay? I mean, he, get, he gets straight into it. And after that, he starts, to, he starts to build up credibility on who he is in his apostleship, what God has given him as far as the gospel message and the works that he's doing. And so the scripture that we're going to be reading tonight is kind of a transitional piece, all right, on who Paul is. Basically, why should you care about what he has to say as he transitions to defending the, the true gospel against the law? So this is a it's kind of a hard passage to preach on, okay? I'm trying to let you know what we're doing here tonight. And since this is really one big narrative, I could actually go through a couple of chapters and do one sermon. So tonight, 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 tonight we're going to stop, and we're going to really look at these 10 verses. And any of you who are familiar with uh, the discipleship teaching I do, the seven commands of Christ, there's a, there's a really neat really neat uh, function that we do for church, and it's called head, heart, and hands. So as we, read, uh, as we read something from the Bible, and you can use this anywhere, we think about, okay, well, what can we learn from this passage, right? What, what can we learn about God? What can we learn about people? Then we talk about heart. How do you think the people in the story felt? How does what we're reading, how does it make you feel? And then finally, we go into hands, which is basically, what are you going to do about it? Well, in the hands section, there's some questions that, that I usually ask to people to try and help them think. Questions like, based on our text, is there a promise to claim out of what we're going to read? Is there an example to follow? Is there a sin to avoid? Or is there a command to be obeyed? Right? So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage, and we're just going to look at Paul's life right here. And we're going to focus on one of those questions. What is the example that we as Christians should follow out of Paul's life? Okay? 
So as we look at that, as we look at his life, we're going to pull together what we need to do to take steps towards Christian maturity. All right? So that's the title of this message, Steps Towards Maturity. Before we start reading, I want to just ask this question. What does it mean to be mature in Christ? Anybody? Because I'm going to let Vincent answer if y'all don't got an answer. Patience? Um, To know who God is? To have a good relationship with him? Okay. Vincent? A humble and contrite spirit. Okay. Knowing how to walk in the spirit. Any others? To have the fruits of the spirit. Okay. Okay, so those are all good. Those are all really good answers, right? And they're all partially true. And uh, I wanted to ask that really just to get you thinking, because that is that is what we're going to be answering tonight. What are some steps we can take? What are some things we can look at to to either see rather or not we're really mature in Christ, and if not, how can we take steps to get there, right? So I'm going to go ahead and just read through this whole passage, starting in verse one. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach amongst the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived that the grace had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I was also eager to do. So as you can see, kind of an odd passage, right? It's kind of in between two parts of the story. And you might be thinking, well, what the heck does that have to do with Christian maturity, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to take just a couple of things out of this, five points that I've, I've got for y'all, and we're going to talk about <clears throat> what it means for our lives, okay? How we can use Paul and the way he's living as an example. So the first thing I want y'all to notice, going back all the way to, to verse 1, as Paul is uh, going back up to Jerusalem for a second time, it says, And he went up again, or and I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and also took Titus with me, okay? So the the first thing I want to talk about is taking steps 
towards maturity, Christian maturity, always starts with walking with faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Psalm 1 starts like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So when I read that passage, I I have to think, you know, if we're not hanging out in the counsel of the wicked or of the ungodly, if we're not standing in the path of sinners and we're not sitting in the seat of the scornful, guys, we only got, there's only two choices left. You either alone by yourself somewhere, sitting in in a cozy little room, or you're surrounding yourself with godly people. Those are really the only two options left, right? But I want you to think about, about Jesus, how Jesus walked this earth, the ministry that he had. The moment he started his ministry, what did he do? Anybody? What was that? He got disciples. He got disciples. During Jesus' entire ministry, he was always in the company of others. He always had his disciples near him, and not just the 12. We actually know that there was at least, you know, 130 or so people that were with him that entire three years. Matthias in Acts chapter 2 was picked out of like 130 people that fit the bill to be an apostle, right? Jesus wasn't alone, okay? When he sent out the disciples into the, into the villages to go preach the gospel, the 70, he sent them out in pairs together, right? After he was crucified and raised again, when the apostles went out, they went out together. And even now, Paul, becoming Paul from Saul, as he's venturing uh, into Jerusalem, as he's, as he's going out into his ministry, he is walking in the same way, and he surrounded himself in the midst of his life and in the midst of his ministry with God-fearing men, Right? Barnabas, who the Bible calls, uh, he's an encourager, that's what his name means, and he was another apostle. He was able to teach. They later on split up, and he, he takes another apostle and goes out to plant churches. And Titus, one of Paul's own disciples, who was called in uh, the book Titus, a true son in our common faith, right? A true son in our common faith. We need, as Christians, we need to have other Christians that are as dedicated to sowing into our lives as we are in sowing into theirs, okay? And that's a pretty big deal. You know, I don't hang out with a whole lot of people. I know a lot of people have got a, I'd say I have a good amount of friends, but I really don't spend a whole lot of time with people, mostly because I'm, I'm busy, but the, <laughs> the people I do hang out with, um, it's a real blessing. And, you know, regardless of whatever we're doing, where we're at, the focus is always, always, always who we are in Christ and how we can help each other grow closer or how we can reach out to others. And that's been a big blessing. And for the last couple of years, as I've, as I've grown into ministry, God has been faithful in placing me under people like Pastor Mark, under people like Tom Jones, the Christian of the, of the director of the Christian Men's Job Corps. When I, even when I was back in Ingram as a school bus driver, all right, 20-year-old, baby-faced school bus driver, 
Every single day, I was working with a guy who used to be a youth leader. And God was putting me with faithful brothers in Christ. And as he was growing me, very often he gave me the opportunity to sow into those people as well. The second point I want to make is as we, as we begin to uh, go out of our way even to find people that we can really, we can really sow into, people that can really benefit us and, and we can walk this, this life of faith together. There's something very interesting he says in verse 2. He says, and I went up by what? I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. Now, what's so interesting about that is he doesn't really say what that revelation is, right? Other than he says it was a revelation. So the second thing I want to talk to you about is one of the, one of the clearest signs that we are stepping into a more solid faith, into a, a more mature, uh, mature relationship with Christ, is when we can begin to, to really hear God's voice and obey it. And obey it. The one thing, guys, that we should seek more than anything in this life is to be in a closer communion with Jesus Christ, to be in his presence, to, to be able to walk up to someone to, to share our faith. And when they say, what does being a Christian mean to you? You can begin to tell them about a true and living God who you have really, really experienced. And that should be our desire. And you know what? That has been my experience. And you know, we have a God that speaks. He speaks to us through conviction. He speaks to us in his word. You know, most of the, not most of, all of the sermons I do. You know how I do a sermon? It's getting easier because some of the stuff, it's like the Bible just says the same stuff over and over again. It really does. But uh, even since day one. All right, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this Bible study on Romans. I've never read Romans. I've only read Matthew. I have no idea what I'm doing. Since day one, my method, open up the word of God. Pray diligently, super scared, want to cry like a little girl, and say, God, I need you to teach me something, because if you don't show up, ain't nothing going to happen. And once that pen hits that paper, God just starts speaking to my heart. And I start writing stuff out that I didn't even know. I mean, I mean, really, for the last year, the whole series of 1 Corinthians, everything I taught you, all that stuff about spiritual gifts, all those things, man, I learned that like five hours before y'all got here. <laughs> most, I'm serious. Most of the time, God speaks, right? And Paul went up by revelation. Taking steps towards maturity is seeking out God's voice and learning to hear it. You know, every Wednesday y'all come here, which I, I really appreciate, you know, we have a great group here. It's a very unique group, I think. Like, anybody think this is kind of a unique group here? Yeah, y'all better think that. No, uh, but y'all hear me speak, right? Let me ask you something. Who was here last Wednesday? Raise your hand. Okay, who was here the Wednesday before? Okay, so, so a lot of y'all come here pretty much every Wednesday. So who has heard my voice since last Wednesday? A couple people. Who has not? Okay. Okay. Who has not heard my voice since the last, since a week or two weeks ago? One, two. Okay. Have I talked to y'all since last time? Oh, Sunday. All right. All right. All right. So for those of y'all who, who talked to me between Wednesdays, how did, how did that happen? 
Lunch. How did we get to lunch? You you called me, right? And so we talked. Vincent, we me and Vincent were in San Antonio to what, about ten thirty last night? Drove home? You don't know me? All right. You know what? And we had a lot of we had a lot of conversation last night. And uh, you know what you know how that happened? He called me. He said, Hey man, this is what's going on and we talked. You s- no, you're not no. I'm not saying that uh, being mature is calling calling me, no. But uh but you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10:17. And sometimes guys, it's as simple as going out of our way to try and get a hold of God. To try and get a hold of God. You know, you can you can wait for God to come and knock you off a horse like he did Paul. But a uh, homeboy got blinded, by the way, and uh <laughs> He wasn't doing so hot before that, so that's probably not the best option. But God is faithful, right? And he has, he wants a relationship with you. And all it takes sometimes is to take that time to get a hold of him, to pray, to sit in your word and say, Lord, teach me something today. Tell me something. And God will, right? When we begin to surround ourselves with godly people, it gives us a, a, an opportunity to encourage each other, to help each other, seek out the Lord, to discern his voice, and we all grow together and manifest the kingdom of God in our lives. And you know, that's what the church is about. We prayed earlier for our friend Chuck Perez, who might be moving back to Kerrville. Man, I had, a, I had a love-hate relationship with this dude for like a year and a half, okay? Maybe two years. I don't even know how long it was because he called me every single day, and that was awesome. I also hated it because I knew it was going to be a 30-minute to an hour-and-a-half conversation every time I answered the phone, right? But this guy, he would just pour out his freaking heart to me, and, you know, he'd tell me about his struggles, and he'd tell me about what he was doing good and what he wasn't doing good. He'd be like, yeah, and I prayed, and I read my word, and I, but I know you do that all the time, and I'm sitting here like, I haven't done that in a week, <laughs> you know? But having those conversations, as he was speaking, God would reveal areas, things he was praying about, and I was like, Man, that's, I need to be praying about that for my family or things he was struggling with. And you know what? I've been struggling with that. And there was, this, there was this way that God stirred us up in a mutual faith, right? And he, man, that guy grew so much in such a short period of time. And he was a big help to me as well. And I don't think he really knows it. But that's what God has put us together for. Verses 3 through 5, he goes on and says, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. But listen to this. Okay, so what he's talking about right here, and we're going to get into it in the next chapter of Galatians, is these Jews have come into the church. They've come in and saying, yeah, you know, Jesus, he's, he's all good. Y'all can believe in Jesus, right? But you really need to keep the law. You really want to please God? You can't be eating them pepperonis, dog. You need, you need to hit that cheese. That's why I brought the cheese pizza, just for you. No, you know, but you need to be circumcised. There's no way God would, would let in a filthy Gentile like you. You got to be circumcised. And so they were bringing in this false doctrine. But Paul says right here, Verse 5, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So my third point is as we grow in maturity, as we grow in Christ, we should have a desire to keep people out of bondage. 
Does that make sense? To keep people in the freedom that we have in Christ. Okay? See, Paul's message uh, was salvation in Christ. Apart from works, apart from your heritage, apart from law, apart from anything you can do, salvation is faith in Christ alone. And being free from that bondage that Satan wants you to live in starts with being clear with the gospel. There are things that I see people living in every day. People, even even in God's kingdom. And I want you to think about these things. Things like, you might be feeling them, in fact. Things like guilt. Things like shame. You see people living still in the shackles of sin. Some people living by uh, religion and, uh, and legalism. People living under condemnation. And all these, all these things are bondage. These are all shackles. These are all weights that Satan wants us to, to be attached to, to, to pull us down, to pull us out of, out of that joy and peace that God has for us. And, you know, some of those people are lost. Some of those people are lost, but some of them are still in the church just like us. And uh, sometimes we put chains on ourselves through, through being deceived, like these Galatians were. And guys, sometimes we just choose it. Sometimes as Christians, we choose those chains. We, we choose sinful des- desires. We, we choose selfish ambitions that put us back into, into a place we really don't need to be, right? But when we walk with brothers and sisters in the church, when we begin to seek God's voice to hear it, rather it's by revelation, like it was for Paul, Rather, we hear God through prayer. Rather, he, he speaks to us while we're reading the word. We begin to find more and more freedom from the world. Can I? Let me, let's see who we got in here. Someone, can someone in here give me a solid example on how the more they've, they've trusted in Christ and they've, they've heard his voice, the more free they have been as opposed to who they used to be. Anybody want to share that real quick? Jesse? Come up here. Yeah, come up here. Come on. It's all good. Let's go. You think it's good? Well, we'll grade you on it afterwards, all right? If you fail, you can try again next week. was even seeking Christ in my life, I, um, I stole a lot of things, and, you know, it never really bothered me, and whenever God got a hold of me, and I started giving my life back to him, I couldn't do it no more, I, I couldn't, literally cannot walk into a store and pick something up without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, so, like, complete transformation, you know, and the way I treat people, and just many different things, their transformation is physically impossible to go back to the way I was. Praise God. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Praise God. Yeah, you get an A for that one. That was good. All right. A plus because he got a baby. All right. So Christ gave him Christ gave him freedom from that. You know, not only was he was he hurting those those people by by you know taking he was stealing he was taking what wasn't his but. You know, uh, it's only a matter of time before you get caught. 
and then there are fines, there's jail, there's prison, there's all these different things. You know, he talked about his, even his character being transformed, the way he treated people, you know, and I know people who have bad attitudes, and it usually is because their life sucks. <laughs> they don't feel very good about it, you know, but, you know, Christ has transformed him in that. But the beauty of that, you know, we all have different stories. That, that was my point. We all have things that God has pulled us out of. Amber was sharing that God is working in her heart in different ways through her work, but as God pulls us out of, out of that bondage, then suddenly we have eyes to see when other people are going through those same things, right? And we can understand and we can minister to those people. And, and when we really have a heart for the Lord, when we really are pulled out of selfishness, there should be a desire that when you see those things to reach out and help pull those people out of that. The fourth thing, uh, verses 6 through 9, is mature Christians should seek out fellowship, and listen to this, and unity, and unity of the saints, or the church, the body of Christ, right? So he goes on to say, starting in verse 6, but from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, makes no difference to me, God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me, but on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for apostleship, to the circumcised also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, all apostles, right, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised, to the Jews, is what he's saying. Now, this one, guys, I want you all to pay special attention to because this is so, this is very important. This is, uh, this is so imperative. There is a lot of controversy between churches, right? We argue over beliefs. We, ar we argue over doctrine. We argue over, you know, who the dang preacher is sometimes. And some of it is justified. Most of it, though, isn't. Most of it's not. And it's interesting, there's a passage in 1 John, 1 John 4.20 that says, If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? You know, I think about this all the time because so often people are all in love with each other at church, right? Like, oh, Christian, we're all Christians. We're all going to have a good time. We're going to eat pizza. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then suddenly, homeboy scuffs your Jordans, and it's over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, No, no, no. But, but really, I want you to think about this. If someone who claims to be a Christian steals from you, how, how would you act towards that person? If someone who claims to be a Christian lied to you, if they disagree with you, if you see them starting to walk in their flesh, starting to walk in sinfulness, how would you treat that person? Love your brothers. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But as well as they lie or stuff, I would just give out 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good. Forgiveness, love, those things are what we should aim for. But so often what I see is suddenly when there's strife, when there's, when there's uh, divisions between people in the body of Christ, they just go opposite directions. Sometimes those relationships never get mended. I see so many, that even the, the churches, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of churches who they have things I may or may not agree with, but if those people in that church, if they're saved, aren't they still part of the church? Isn't that still my brothers? And aren't those still my sisters? You know, and I see so often, you know, a lot of, a lot of people who aren't Catholics spend a lot of time making fun of Catholics. And a whole lot of people that are Catholics spend a whole lot of time saying, no, I'm not Christian, I'm Catholic. Which is kind of odd, you know. And even if, even if it is a joke, you know what that does? That builds walls. How many of us in here have more than three friends that are Catholics that we spend a lot of time with? Oh, that's pretty good. Okay. What about, well, maybe if I say other, just other denominations in general, we could probably all raise our hand. Some of y'all probably don't even know what denominations are, and that's okay. That's probably good. Probably don't need to know, right? But, man, it's so often do you hear people saying, well, this guy did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he's not acting like a Christian at all. Next thing I know, you might, you might, you might suddenly be taking a side against somebody rather than figuring out, well, how can we love that person? Right? How can we bring that person back to Christ? I remember uh, there's a church here in town that there's a little bit of division between us and them, not because of us particularly, pretty much because of them for whatever reason and I remember thinking about it one day and I was uh, a little bit annoyed at the situation but but more than me I was I was worried about the people in the congregation and God was just breaking my heart for these people and some of the things that were going on that um, I didn't view as as uh, very godly and to make a long story short I think I was driving down the street whining to myself or whining to God about it and it took me a couple of minutes to realize what the heck am I doing you know, and so I made a pretty interesting choice. I stopped and I said, you know what, Lord, this is, this is your church. Those are your people. That is your pastor. And I began to pray for those people and praise God for them and ask for, and ask for God to, uh, to minister there. And it completely changed the out, outlook of my day, you know. But when people who claim to be Christians act in ways we don't like, they don't, they don't believe the same way we do, are we still willing to love them? Are we still willing to accept their calls and be, be willing to pray for them? See, Paul and Barnabas, they could have easily separated themselves from the other apostles, right, from the other Jews. They had different ministries completely. The apostles up there, they were, they were primarily to the Jews. They were in Jerusalem. They had Jewish people coming down trying to do the laws. They were, Paul and Barnabas were going out to the Gentiles, they could have completely separated themselves and got out of a lot of argument, a lot of trouble. Rather, it was God's will that they actually go and pursue unity and peace with those in Jerusalem. And they found it, by the way. And when the other group saw that grace had been given to them and that their ministry, regardless of who it was to or, or how they went about it, was in Christ and for Christ, it didn't matter that their ministries were different. They gave them the right hand of fellowship, and they were all strengthened as a church. See, maturity in Christ, guys, what I'm saying, is longing 
for peace and restoration in the body with other people. And you'll know you have it. You'll know you have it when someone who is a Christian suddenly has a falling out with you. And it breaks your heart. It breaks your heart. When you have that, you know you have that aspect of maturity. You see, God, God was dealing with this, uh, me with this a lot just recently. There was about, well, like two months in a row where um, <laughs> just all these people who, people I knew to be Christians, people uh, I wanted to have a relationship with, started doing different things, and God was putting on my heart to go speak to them about it because they weren't right. And uh, so I would just go and I would just tell them exactly what God gave to me to tell them. And I, I try to do it with love and encouragement and these things. And like five or six times in a row over these two months, it went horrible. And these guys did not appreciate what I had to say at all. And, uh, you know, I don't really, I mean, I, I'm going to tell someone the truth regardless. But just the fact that knowing that those people over something so trying to trying to love someone was going to was going to form that uh that separation between us when God is so clear that we should be together as one body it broke my heart and I couldn't I I remember talking to my wife about it and talking to some other people and I was just talking to people about it cuz it was just caught me so off guard that I was really hurt not like oh man they're not going to be my friends and I wasn't worried about that it's not it wasn't that type of superficial thing it was something deeper i had a longing to see god restore their hearts it was it was where their heart was that broke mine does that make sense and when we start to when we start to have that type of longing for people we know that god is really starting to get a hold of us and and pull us into the image of his of his son i've got another example but i'll skip it cuz i don't want to go on too long the the final one that i want to talk about is in the very last verse, Galatians 2, verse 10. So after they've gone up and they've, they've uh, disclosed the gospel that they're preaching to the, the apostles, they've shown that even though these, these Jews have come in and have tried to get Titus to be circumcised, that to show the gospel was true, that he refused it, and that they've received the right hand of fellowship from the, the other apostles, it says that they desired, that they desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I was also eager to do. So guys, finally, as we allow Christ to live in us and live through us, there's one last characteristic of those who are mature in Christ, and that is an eagerness, a just a genuine eagerness to help those people in need. Does it strike anybody odd that these grand apostles, right, who ran their churches, who were going out, turning the world upside down, out of all the things they could be worried about, the one thing they both, folk, they, they were both eager to do and commit to was caring for the poor. Sometimes, guys, we get so caught up in life. We get caught up in how good God is to us, you know, that suddenly everything is about us. It's always about our struggles, right? It's about, oh, we're struggling. It's about our blessings, our salvation, our prayers. And we get so consumed with, with things that could be good, you know, things bettering ourselves, moving forward in life, reaching our goals, and suddenly we come face to face with the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. 
you know, I'm going to just paraphrase this. In Luke 10, there's a lawyer talking with Jesus, right? And uh, they're talking about the greatest commandment. And the lawyer tells Jesus, well, you know, it's love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you know, that's good. You do that, and you're going to live. Well, the lawyer wants to justify himself. So he asks Jesus, okay, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story about this man going down to Jericho, and he's, he's robbed. He's beaten. He's left on the side of the road half dead, naked. Like, that's a bad place to be, right? And you see a priest come by, and he sees this man, poor, broken, naked, and the priest passed by. He's got better things to do. A Levite comes by, he sees the man, poor, broken, naked, he passes by, he's got better things to do. And then a Samaritan, a Samaritan man who Jews hate, comes by and he sees that man. And he pours oil and wine on his wounds. He puts him on his own donkey. He takes him to an inn, pays for the inn, and then tells the innkeeper, you take care of this man, and if, he, if you have to spend anything else on him, I will come and pay it back. And at the end of the story, Jesus asked the man, who, who was that man's neighbor? The lawyer said, the one who showed compassion. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. The greatest two commandments, to love God and to love our neighbors. Remember the poor. We all need to, uh, we should all look forward. We should all have a longing to be, to be really solid in God's word, to be strong in our faith, right? I, know, I don't know about y'all, but when I hear that whole, you know, the faith size of a mustard mo- seed can move mountains, I'm like, I'm trying to do the brain thing on cars, like how much faith I got, you know? That's just me. I'm weird. I'm sorry. But uh, we should all have s- some sort of longing to be strong in our faith, to be, to be diligent towards God. But just like everything, guys, we have, to pl- we have to have a plan to get there, and we have to have a way of seeing where we really are. Because when we, become, when, we, when we can let that pride down for a second and just be honest with ourselves before Christ, that's where we learn what we need to surrender, and that's where we learn how to grow. Seek out and surround yourself with faithful Christians who are dedicated to you, and be dedicated to them. Learn to to listen and to seek out God's voice, to do what it says. Help your brothers and sisters from stepping into bondage and pull pull them out. Seek to have unity with all who are in Christ, even if they're a little crazy, because I know some, and it's okay, right? And finally, in all that you do, remember the poor. Let's pray, guys. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for uh, my brothers and sisters here, Lord, and I thank you for your word and, and uh, just time to, to reflect and to think, about, to think about what I've been doing in my life, the people I associate, how I, how I look to sow into others, and, and the people you give to, to really make my life uh, just a better experience, Father God. You're so good to us. So, Lord, I, just, I ask that you'd forgive us of our sins, Lord, that you would protect us this week, guide us forward, and that in any, any of these areas where we struggle or we're, we haven't really put much thought into, Lord, that you would grow us in those areas. And, Father God, if anything 
outside of what we talked about, hit the heart of anybody here, Father God, that you would just pour out conviction into that, into those issues, Father God, that they can come to the light and that you can restore that area of their life, that you can bring them joy and rest in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. Amen.